I'm not drinking beer because I have celiac disease, but I'm having a good gin and tonic right now. So Sounds like a quitter to me. <laughs> Loser. <laughs> I'm drinking a nice wine from Mendocino County out in California, I think. I think it's, it's pronounced Menses. Menses, California. <laughs> not called Menses. <laughs> Luke, push record. Oh, sorry, I was playing my game. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. That's why I said it. Oh, good. See, this is where this is why we work. Yeah. This is how we do it. It's Wednesday night. <laughs> <laughs> you have a good voice, so anytime that we start to sing, it's just going to sound sad and old. <laughs> it's real. I mean, I, I mean, I can sound crappier if you want. Thank yeah, you. This is Thank how you. we do it. There we Just go. Kidding. Nice. <laughs> Even that at the end kind of had like a decent pitch to it. I know. I was uh, the other day, <laughs> I, I was doing an event, and this person goes, Hey, how's it going? I go, Well, kind of crappy. I had to drive a rental car over here because my truck died yesterday or my car died yesterday. And they're like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Hey, if it makes you feel any better, I had to get a root canal or something like that. And I was like, <laughs> Why does it? Actually, yes, that does make me feel better. <laughs> Screw you. Thank I'm you. miserable. I want everyone to be miserable. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, last night me and Shannon tried to watch. Oh, well, okay. Let me rephrase that. Shannon was on her phone, and on Netflix, I tried to bring up Tony Robbins. I am not your guru, which is a documentary uh, on Tony Robbins. I, I didn't have even, watched the whole thing. Didn't even get through the first minute and a half without Shannon being like, "Turn this off right now," because he drops the f bomb at his conferences like every four seconds, needlessly. He's crazy. Did you did you like the the documentary? You know, I really like anything that has to do with cults mm-hmm. or followings, mm-hmm. like the whole Scientology thing from HBO I watched. I had to actually watch that like two or three times to understand what it was all about. Scientology. Um, I love Scientology. <laughs> I want to go to the moon. <laughs> I want to be an alien. Apparently, it's, Tom um, Cruise says that's why he hasn't really aged all, all that much. <laughs> so, bam. There you go. Take that, Urkel. I mean, the dude looks good. He's like 52. (laughs) He's 52? Yeah, he is 52. He's as old as the dude was in Cocoon. Oh, my goodness. What? That is a true true fact. He's also like, uh, you know, the the main character in Cocoon, like the guy who was on all like the Oats stuff? Yeah. Yes. Uh, When he made that film, he's as old as Tom. He was as old as Tom Cruise is right now. Oh, wow. We should all be ashamed. (laughs) We should all be Scientologists is what you're saying. Yeah, seriously. Did you see see when Tony Robbins, like, would always jump on the trampoline? No. Oh, my God. No, I didn't get through the first part with a guy with his no self-esteem, and he was screaming at him. It's crazy. So I, I I haven't watched this. I've heard of Tony Robinson. I don't know, like, what does he do? He's a motivational speaker and life coach. Yeah. Why were you suicidal? It's because I can feel very peak states in life, but I can go so deep that I don't find a way out. I know you right now. You got a lot to give. You feel me? I do. You and I are going to make a deal. I'm going to show you what to do to reshape yourself. How is it that people can make lasting changes in minutes? What makes that possible? So, so he holds like, these huge events where it all these like twelve thousand dollars a person to go. Whoa! It costs like tons. 
Yes. Yeah. And he does all types of stuff. And the big thing (laughs) that he does is his whole point is he can talk to you for five seconds and break you out of your self-defeating loop that your brain is in. Like, that's like his kind of thing. So you hate your life and you want to walk away from your family and he'll reprioritize your cranium right there on the spot kind of thing. Yeah, in front of everyone. Yeah. Hmm. 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 So there's Jesus. <laughs> and the difference between him and Matthew Kelly is nothing. Well, the F bombs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just kidding. Yeah, Am the F bombs. Mm-hmm. A little bit of difference. <laughs> huh. Well, that's that, that, that's all I got. That's <laughs> all we had. All Anywho. right. Good night, guys. Just no, kidding. thank God. I get back to drinking. So what's going on? What's uh, what's going on? What's happening? Anything new? What's happening? Gosh, I feel like um, all kinds of stuff. Like there's new projects. I just got like a, I don't know. There's like a whole team of people, which is so strange. Um, what do you mean there's a whole but, team of people? Like we have people that are like working with social media with me, with like management and booking and all that jazz, which oh, is nice. Yeah, which is fantastic. So literally the last time I heard you sing (laughs) was for your concert that we were the crowd at and I was an MC of. That was the last time? At a Methodist church. Heck yeah. For, uh, (laughs) you know, like to record your self-produced album. My first EP. Yeah, that my kids listen to still. Dang, I can't believe that was the... I can't believe it's been that long. Gomer's not a good That's friend, crazy. so you're fine. <laughs> well, I mean, you know. Yeah, just I'm just going to go cry now. I'm just mm-hmm. kidding. Um, yeah, crazy. And you know what's crazy is that, okay, so when I did, when I finished up, like, the new EP. So the new EP was done uh, with, like, a new um, new producer. His name is Sean Williams. Uh he lives in Nashville with his I think wife. You, I think you pronounce his last name Combs. Sean Puffy Combs. Go on. Okay, Sha- yeah. Sean Puffy Combs. Uh-huh. That's right. The Puff- jokes just um, keep coming here at Catching Fox. <laughs> also known as Puff Daddy. <laughs> all this, all, yeah, also known, where is Puff Daddy? Apparently, he made $130 million last year. Just going to throw that out there. What? Yeah, right? Very shocked to learn that. Uh oh! Did you click one of those articles at the end of a real article that took oh, you yeah, a different way? <laughs> Tabula. Ain't, ain't no shame in his game. Fake news, my I, ass. I want to know. I want to know. I'll be honest. Like, where he's is he's a producer? Puffy? He's a producer in New York. But producing what? You yeah. know, you know, boy bands. You know, you know, <laughs> white girls who think they boy can rap. Bands. You know. I bet you he made. Okay, I bet you he made the majority of his of his money off. Of uh, Sean John, I assume that's still mm, a thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. he probably owns the right to certain artists or something. It just gets points off of their albums or oh, like, totally. songs and royalties, things like that. I'm gonna, I'm oh. gonna. This is now my new thing. So you and Luke talk, and I'm gonna find out for us. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So how many people do you have currently? Like, so are all these people employed by like record label that you were that? No, I have like, like a. I have a um, a like a social media marketing team, which is under it's called Ringlet Studios. They specifically work with 
um, like female entrepreneurs. Oh, cool. Um, so yeah, they're helping me with like all my branding and all of my social media stuff, which nice. is, um, which is nice. It's been super difficult just balancing, uh-huh. um, like just being a mom and a wife and, uh, traveling I, like from January to probably April, I was gone more than I was home, which, um, I've never really? had to experience wow. that before. So yeah, so it was pretty crazy, you know, um, and good. It was so interesting because when we came home from seek, um, like Sean came in from Atlanta, he was in Atlanta at the time. Um, and we were there like for a whole week and we, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'll have to tell you the story about when I cursed in front of this nun there it was total. Accident. <laughs> um, but I just kept thinking, okay, like I'm going to come home and the kids are going to be crazy and the house is going to be a wreck. And I came home and it was like a quiet house and everything was just neat. And, and Chris had the kids at Chick-fil-A or something. I was like, oh my gosh, like the Lord provided in so many ways, like nothing less, nothing more, just like exactly what we needed. So, um, That's awesome. after that I was like, okay, well, I guess we can really do this. You know? So <laughs> like, start. are you doing it full time then? Do you, um, consider yourself to be a full time artist? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I, um, if I'm not traveling, I'm either prepping for, for worship nights or talks or gigs or, uh, I'm writing a lot. So I definitely have like my daily schedule, um, which is a challenge during the summer for sure. I really try to take like the summer off, which really isn't off cause, um, I'm still working, but I'm not traveling yeah. like out of town. Yeah. Um, I went to Nashville, like Sean just moved to Nashville and I have a single that's going to come out, um, like later on the summer. So we're working on that. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of bouncing back and forth from Nashville to Houston, like every month. But. That's, I love, I love Nashville. I'm like obsessed with it. <gasps> Me too. Me too. Yeah, it's so it's, great. I've never been to Nashville. Oh, it's okay. Well, for one, I j- just love the South. I think that's kind of where the South starts for me. Cause I mean, you've, you've got yeah, parts of yeah. Kentucky who would object to that. But in, but like in my mind, when you hit Nashville, you're kind of in the South. Yeah. And I, when I was a kid, I would go there for like two weeks or so over the summer. And I just, so like for, so it's this place of like happy memories for me, you know? And I like when mm. like I smell freshly cut grass or sweet tea i think of nashville oh man yeah i just i i and then we spent like probably about two days there during our honeymoon on the drive back and um i mean it was completely different from how i i mean i haven't been back since i was like i mean like to actually like spend i've driven through there a few times but had not been back for any long period of time since i was like 13 or or so i was there like when the preds game was going on and it was pretty wild Oh, yeah. so, okay, get this. Apparently, my buddy and his brother, well, the, like, this guy who's uh, uh, pretty good friends with um, uh, my brother-in-law, uh, and, like, I've hung out with him a... a f- hey, can we can we take a pause real quick? Okay. Uh, this is amazing. Diddy what? is the number one wealthiest <laughs> hip-hop artist. 
Still, like, I mean, okay, not, okay, yes. in terms of like more than Jay Z net worth, or like, okay, is yeah, that, yeah, yeah, is total like overall net worth, or yes. just in the last year? No, well, the last, uh, I don't, it's it's who's richest this year, so it's not like who made the most amount of money this year, but it's like who huh. has the highest net worth right now, right now, yeah. Still, so is he just making money off of like higher than Jay Z? No, He's no, no. He apparently has been the leader like for years. Really? Yeah, he has really music, know. spirits, clothing, media, and he's an investor in startups. He owns this yeah. super expensive. I mean, he's like a tequila de Leon, uh, Ciroc. I don't know. This is blowing my mind. He is probably <laughs> going to be the first rapper to break a billion dollars. Really? 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 You're in the wrong business. I know. I should start rapping. Hey there, people. My name is Michael Gormley. <laughs> Just want to tell you this little story. It's Catching Foxes here to tell you, you know. And that's oh still God. better than that one time uh, Carmen rapped. Remember that, Luke? <laughs> yeah, do I ever. Oh, it's a oh, shame yeah. to all humanity. Uh, I got the deafest precious tale to tell on how Christ saved my soul from hell. Uh, man, that's so crazy. I, I really thought that Jay-Z was going to, because he, he's one that everyone... Talks about for who's gonna like yeah. break a billion, but no, he he's like uh, like a hundred million shorter than Diddy. Since then, he has expanded into clothing lines, a movie production company, a pair of restaurants, and created his own record label, Bad Boy Records, and television music channel Revolt TV. Over the past two years, Combs has likely made close to $200 million, mainly on the strength of the new television network due to lucrative deals with both Comcast and Time Warner. Wow, yeah. He's set for oh, life. Total loser. I bet Beyonce. Does Beyonce have more money than Diddy, though? I, I think Beyonce has more money than God. I asked God <laughs> the other day, and he had to take out a loan from her. Excuse me. Can I, I think it's so great that people went out for drinks when she had her twins. <laughs> I don't know why. Really? I, I despise awesome. everything about I celeb culture fantastic. like that. Oh, man. At least they're celebrating something. Uh, yeah. Like positive. It's totally pro life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm co opting it. It's like it. a whole it's other pro-life. avenue. I know. Yeah. That was so, if that's, if it's true, that was so f-ed up of her. Because, bitch, that's good. You could have had your damn churn at your damn house. Like, you got this big ass f-ing house. You can afford the damn doctors to come to your house, bring all the equipment, bring have your f-ing water birth, whatever you want to have. But for you to move sick people and pregnant people and whoever else, just for your little bougie ass to be on a floor by yourself with just about security and your family members, I think that's really f-ed up. Um. Anyway, uh, George Clooney's gonna get two hundred and thirty-three million dollars from the sale of a tequila brand that he co-founded. Oh so really, the moral of the story is: get rich doing other things, and then invest that in real things. Ah, like spirits, clothing, media, Yeah, I was going to say, invest in alcohol. It seems as if, like, that's where everyone's going. Man. I, you, do you want to know what I would, if, if anyone wants to give me, like, 100000 bucks? I do, go I, on. I, I, <laughs> I really want to start, I want to own a, um, I want to uh, buy a, like, liquor store and, like, mm. do a whole new spin. I think there's so many cool things that you could do with that. Ugh. Now, the problem yeah. is when I actually started to go down that road, there are so many like rules 
that you see why they're just these like dark holes with like cramped space that are just like kind of in and out. It's just it's almost like a walk of shame. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. But it has to be because of all of the rules that go along. So they're just trying to get the most space they can with what they have. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome if there's a rule? It's like, uh, level of dankness, 10. <laughs> Cheapy phosphorescent <laughs> lights, a must. <laughs> One of them flickering constantly <laughs> over the cheap beer. Uh, and you're only allowed to have uh, signs of half of a half-dressed girls from six years ago. Cannot be any less than six years. <laughs> <laughs> And that sign is a little bit too clean. It uh, has like faded some more. Leave that out in, in uh, the sun. <laughs> it's trash. You're fined. Seriously, it's so like Ugh. it's so like there's only like every state only has like X amount of stores that they can have. So you can't just start. Oh really? A, I didn't yeah, know that. You can't just start a new. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Well, this is how it is in the state of Ohio. Ohio. So oh, you can't Ohio. just start a new one. You have to like buy a person's like right to have one. It's yeah, it is crazy because I think there's so many cool things that you could do with that because now the people are real into spirits and cocktails and like blah blah blah. Yeah, you have to buy the rights to have one, and then you have to. It's like crazy how like, regulated it is. And so that's uh, why they're all like children sleep aids. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> Anyways, back to Beyonce's gorgeous children. Oh, I think this is a wonderful day. Gorgeous. <laughs> Sorry. So anyway, so you so you're in Nashville. You just just recorded a um, uh, brand new song. So for people yeah. uh, that for some odd reason still pay attention to our little podcast here, uh, how would you describe this the type of music that you play? Explain to my um, like dear old mother. Not sorry, not like old. Sorry, mom. Old, Explain to dear old mother. It's not what I meant at all. Explain to my um, to my mom who just started a listen. Hi, mom. Uh, like what I'm kind of all... music do you play? Uh, I feel like I have sort of two genres of music. Um, One, Zydeco. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Second, gangster Asshole. rap. There we go. Um, Get you that P. Diddy money. That's right. Wicka, wicka, wicka. Um, okay, so really. It's sort really of how. Play. Yeah. How much money does Mace make then? Because if P. Diddy's uh, making that much, Mace. you got to think. All right, guys, don't worry. I'm on the case. I'm on the case about Mace. (laughs) I'm on a case about Mace. So anyways, sorry. Circling back around. Um, I sort of have two genres. So I have like my worship stuff that is like very repetitive. And a lot of that comes from just how I um, like how I pray because my daily order sort of goes like I drop the kids off at school I do morning prayer and then I come and I just like sit at my keyboard and uh yeah I just pray um and then afterwards that's sort of when I get into like the creative mode and I write so um the genre of music I guess I would it's considered Christian but it's not worship music per se I guess some of it could be used for like corporate worship but a lot of it is just like my conversations with God and trying to figure out how to adult um, and heal and how to forgive and um, I feel like the storytelling part of my stories are are sort of key and relatable um, Mm -hmm. because we all sort of I don't know have stories to tell I just tell mine through through music so uh, at one point in time, did you go, oh, like, this is a thing that I'm going to do? 
like this is how I'm going to like this is it yeah yeah I'll make a living doing this um probably about like four or five years ago I remember um when we were about to move we were in Dallas for like a couple years and um it was like this really weird transition for me I'd never ever wanted to stay home with my kids it was like terrifying to me um because it's hard (laughs) primarily and I was really really selfish I'm like um no I don't want to do that uh, and I was sort of doing music on the side and, uh, Chris got a job in Dallas. So I, um, yeah, we moved to Dallas and I was home with my kids and it was like just this really strange, beautiful transition for me where Chris sort of taught me and the Lord really taught me how to just, um, not be so selfish, I guess, you know? Um, and I really started to think about, okay, what, like, how, how do you want to use me? Like, what am I supposed to be doing? This isn't, you know, all that I have, you know? And I'd always written music. I mean, from like the time I was a little girl, I'd always written music. Um, so when we moved back and I really didn't have, um, tons of community or tons of family around that were, uh, really supportive. And I just remember looking at Chris and being like, you're all I got. Like, you're my, like, you're, you're all I got. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. And, um, uh, that's when I started to write. I just started to write and write and sort of be more authentic and honest with myself. Um, and I was like, I think I need to do it. Like, I think I need to do this, like legitimately do, you know, ministry and music. Um, and it was more, it was more terrifying than deciding to stay at home with my kids because it's, you know, when you're home with your kids and you're sort of like doing the stay at home mom thing, you can put on all of these like facades and build up like all these walls <laughs> that like no one can break down. But when you're being really honest with yourself, like through your music, there are no walls. Um, so yeah, it was scary. And it was, uh, I just sort of decided, all right, you know, we're going to do this. And Chris and I really prayed quite a bit about, um, what it meant for me to go back into ministry and start to, um, you know, do music. And he just was like, you got to do it. And he was sort of like the catalyst for, yeah, getting everything going. So, wow. So how old were your kids when you started to, when you like, when you started to do it full time or just like as a thing? Uh, yeah, probably, uh, two or three years ago. Um, or maybe two years ago, Sean and I, we've, it's probably been a year since we got, um, undone, sort of like finished and I've been touring. And before that I had an an album out and that was really when it's like, I had to dig in and do all all my own bookings and, Mm -hmm. uh, which is such a pain. I mean, that's actually a lot of work. I had no, I had no idea what I was getting myself into, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I like have these conversations with the Lord, like, okay, yeah, like, we're going to do this. I feel you. Let's go for it. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't even, like, tie my own shoes by 10 o'clock in the morning. Like, how am I supposed <laughs> to book? But how am I supposed to do this? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we got it done. And it's a, a sharp learning curve, um, a really sharp learning curve. But, uh yeah, so it's been a couple of years since I've really sort of dug in and tried to 
do things on my own. And just recently, like within the past couple months, that's when we sort of brought people on and, um, asked for help and yeah. I think what's so cool about that is most of the time, and now this is also just with the artists that I pay attention to. So it tends to be more, they're two bands who are on like, you know, they don't have a lot of kids. Let me just put it that way. And then, once they do stop, it's usually because they have they like have kids, and that really slows it down. Right. And they either go yeah. away, or they stop for a bit, and then they come back in some type of capacity where it can kind of work. Where they do like one or two concerts a month, they have an album once every five years or yeah. so, or so. But it's definitely slowed down. And I think it's so interesting that you kind of had like the exact opposite, where like. You started yeah, up I, like I, after, or like when your kids were young, you know, or after you kind of already like had kids, had the yeah. family, were already established, then you started that, which I think it's just, I mean, you don't ever really hear about that with anyone ever. Uh, it's, I always usually do things backwards. It's sort of like my <laughs> MO. Nice. Um, I would have never in a million years, like I remember like as a little girl thinking like, all I want to do is do music, you know, just being like this little tiny selfish little girl thinking like, yeah, I want to be a rock star. And then always doing, I mean, I've always done it. It's not something that hasn't ever been a part of me, but to actually envision it with like my kids was never, ever even a possibility. Like it literally is like only by the grace of God. Cause I don't know how else I could even like process create like creatively how to per- like get music out of my head, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I, and I, the only thing, I think the only thing that has really been revealed to me is that, that my kids need to see me using my gifts you know, and I I think that's so true. Like with all, like with all of our families, like we have all of these gifts that have been like gifted to us, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Um, and if our children don't see them being used and being like having them used for like the glorification of God and seeing the joy that comes from that, like that's where like my joy comes from. Like Mm -hmm. I get joy from like seeing my kids, like just live, you know, as yeah. loud as they are. Oh my gosh, they're so loud. But if they see me using my gifts and seeing that joy, like then they understand like what joy really is, you totally. know? Yep. So, um, um, Hans Balthasar has this great quote that I'm going to butcher to death here. So hopefully a little bit of sense, <laughs> uh, where he says it's through the gifts that God has given us that he justifies us. Mm-hmm. And I, and I've always, I've, I've always kind of liked that because to me, it's just like, that's where we allow God to work the most within our own lives when we use the gifts that he yeah. has given to us. That's kind of what I think you were just to talk about there. I think that's a reflection of that, that what it's done for your own sure. kid, your own life, how just God has worked. Like when, when we use the gifts that, that we have, um, God's able to do so much within our own lives, you know, within our own hearts, yeah. our own conversion, especially our own vocation. 
Definitely. Well, and then you don't have to worry what like every, everyone else is doing. I think I was sort of stuck in this cycle of, oh gosh, you know, you know, all these other great Catholic moms are like doing this and they're doing this and like, no, everyone's just like sort of like circling around with their kiddos. And I'm thinking, everyone's like, got a blog. I need to get on the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone's got, everyone's got a blog. Everyone's using essential oils. Like what am I supposed to be <laughs> We've doing? stopped We're like medicine in our kids because of the vaccines. Yeah. Did, did I go too far? Oh no. <laughs> um, but for no, real, sense. I mean, I was just like, I cannot, I can't, that's just not me. And I couldn't see anybody else mm-hmm. like doing it. And I think once I was just sort of focused on like Danielle, like this is what you're supposed to be doing. And then I started to do it and like everything else just sort of started like to get like darker, you know, mm-hmm. instead of brighter mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, so I don't worry about what other people are really doing, um, and he, uh, definitely as much as I did, because it sort of like warps you, you know? Oh, yeah. And it's, and it's uh, yeah, it's just too I think, much. I think when you're not, when you don't use the gifts that God has given you, it can be very easy to like fall into, not despair, but uh, hopeless, and not, not just, just, just to feel really bummed. That's yeah, better yeah. than despair, hopelessness. I yeah. would despair right now, but ah, screw it. I'm just bummed. I'm just kind of bummed. I'm, I'm bummed. I think the you important thing about being gifted in certain areas is gifted and talented, right? I, I, one of the things is, right, like we might have natural talents towards something, but then when we build up the skill around it, right, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's the impressive part because there are so many skills that a lot of people could have. But you can't have all the skills. And so the skills that people focus on, developing, harnessing, you know, that shows forth a lot of effort and time that they put into it. And I think it's interesting that many of us could have a bunch of different skills, right? I mean, we could have, or let let me put it this way. There are a lot of people who do not have very pronounced skills in any one area. And I think that's sad because I think everyone has a natural talent for something. And, but it's yeah. about investing that, like, hard work and dedication towards developing that skill set or, you know, whatever that a lot of people just don't want to do. And for me, like, I always, I always wanted to play piano, always wanted to play piano. But the time when my parents could actually afford it was the time when all my friends were getting out of it. You know, like, maybe <laughs> when you're in third grade, your parents make you take piano lessons. And when you're in sixth grade, you're like, I want to do this. This is dumb. Well, that's when my parents are like, do you want to do it? And I'm like, uh, uh, no. And like, I don't know. Right. I regret that so much. Not having that musical education and development, right. Not developing that part of my brain. I regret that so, so much. Really? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, I almost bought a piano from a coworker and I was like, Gormley, <laughs> you have no money. <laughs> it needs to get tuned. You don't know how to do any of that stuff. So someone gave me a guitar, so I've been slowly kind of plucking along with that. Nice. Hey, man. Guitars are mobile. You can take them anywhere. I tried to teach myself the piano for about two days, and then I forgot. (laughs) I'm supposed to do something. Oh, yes. (laughs) Learn piano. (laughs) Like, yeah, I was trying to. Yeah, I was like, I had all this stuff that I had 
that I had got off of the like internet. I was just like kind of teach myself how to play. We actually had two of them at the place where I was where I was working at. Then I just forgot about it. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious! My like I learned how to play all like everything by ear. I like I never I got kicked out of like piano lessons when I was little because I was improvising. I'm like, oh sorry, jerks. Mm. Anywho's. But my mom was like, "Hey, uh, I want you to learn. How, uh, I want you to teach me how to play the flute. So here's the flute. Learn how to play it, then you can teach me." I was like, "What?" So she bought me a flute, and I was like, "F this! I'm not learning it." Because I was the same thing. I was like in sixth grade. Yeah. And so, like, I had to be in band, and I pretended to play the flute the entire year. <laughs> the whole year. You're there, just, but you out of moved. sheer defiance. You're not even gonna put. <laughs> you're not even gonna do it. I love it. Hell no, I'm not. I just move my fingers. <laughs> Don't ever un like uh, um, underestimate the determination of a twelve-year-old girl. No, like, uh-uh, not gonna do it. Or the I lack was, of determination of a thirty-five-year-old man. <laughs> <laughs> I was the fat kid in uh, eighth grade who played clarinet. <laughs> you what all came, know who I'm talking about. What came first, the fatness or the clarinetness? No. <laughs> I like how you, you very humbly answered that. Thank you, Luke. No, but I see. I also regret not because I actually now like anytime I see anyone playing it, especially in like uh, a jazzy way, I get kind of sad and happy. Sad yeah. that I don't still do it, but happy because I just love like I love that instrument because really, I, I know the fundamentals of it. You know, like I could get by playing very basic very basic notes hmm. you know so i, I can kind of see like what they're i i did i know just enough to understand what they're doing for the most part luke would you say that the clarinet is the most avant-garde of all jazz uh instruments uh yes i would excellent oh Thank you. wow man that's a that's an inside joke that's an inside joke <laughs> But let me, when I you was. You got to go back to episode 23 for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll so rewind. We, so we'll wait. We'll wait yeah, for you mind. to get caught up. Um, all right. All right. Now, when I was in fifth grade, fourth or fifth grade at my public school, my teacher had a record player. And she would play for us different stories about music and art and stuff. And one of them was the story of a kid who loved this composer or a piano player. That's what it was, a piano player. And after he finished, the little kid walked up to the man. I always thought this was really weird. Walked up to the man and said, oh, my goodness, that was so wonderful. That was so this. That was so that. You're really blessed by God to make beautiful music. And he said, well, I mean, you could call it blessed, or you could say that I spent thousands of hours playing the piano. And he goes through and he, like, details, like, you two could be blessed if you did all this practice, and I remember That's sitting so there, annoying. I remember sitting Hashtag there as a little blessed. kid, right? But I remember sitting there as a little kid, being like, "Are you trying to deprogram me from my religious faith? Like, <laughs> is this one of those things like you hear about in like Soviet classrooms where it's like, <laughs> yeah. pray to God for food? Oh no, he don't give you food. Now pray to Stalin, and then the teachers rush over and put little food in front of them. Stalin gave you food. Pray to Stalin, Stalin for now. We play hockey well and beat. We're gonna go to beat the United States in then. 1980 <laughs> jokes on you stalin jokes on you <laughs> doubly so because he was already dead uh <laughs> oh my gosh or was he obama <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Thanks, Obama. Uh, so, Danielle, you play music. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a thing. Let's talk about Before They Were Stars. Before They Were Stars. Are you going to sing every time I say something and shame <laughs> and humiliate us that we can't carry a note? It's, it's, I'm sorry. It's, Can you just it's, sing it's this? Like a, it's like uh, a continual, like everything, like, and I swear, ask my husband, within conversations, ev- like songs will just be like, boom, like, there you go. And it has to be sung, you know? So we it could ask you a whole bunch of stuff, or we could ask you just to like, um, just, uh, how to put this. I'm going to ask you to do, uh, to try to sing a couple of random things really, okay. really quick. Yeah, yeah, Can yeah, yeah. you sing Catching Foxes is better than the awful trash that is The Crunch? Catching Foxes is better than the awful trash that is The Crunch. Yes. That was a little jazzy. <laughs> yeah, that was a little too, that was a little too jingle-y. Could you do it more Les Mis-y? Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 okay. I mean, do you want it repetitive worshipy? No, oh, no, 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 no. We don't want to say the crunch any more than we need to. Catching foxes is... <laughs> we can wait. Do you, want me, you basically want me to turn this entire conversation into oceans, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is that going to be a problem? I want to feel... Everyone's going to burst into flames. Yes. Mm. I'm a... Millennial, and that means that I love subscription boxes. I've done the food boxes, I've done the clothes boxes, I've even done the glasses boxes. And what's great about Aluma boxes is you get really cool products along with a great devotional each month. So some of the products you get include things from Catholic Beard Balm, really great like music, and they have these really badass coasters that I just thought looked so awesome. The problem is that a lot of the Catholic stuff out there just is like ugly and awful and stupid and not the stuff that you get in a like a Luma box. So what they have offered is for all of the Catching Foxes fans out there, all of you like fine phonic listeners, is you can go to the like Luma box website, which is L-U-M-I box.co again that's l-u-m-i-b-o-x.co and anything you buy type in the coupon code catching foxes and you will get 10 percent off the luma box website which is l-u-m-i-b-o-x.co and you will get 10 percent off with the code catching foxes a big big like thank you to all the people over at like luma box and now back to the show hmm so you're, so anyways, you you got to say no, no. I was going to ask you about. Can we talk about your younger years of like you oh, learning yeah, to sure. sing, your family singing, and the, the? Oh my gosh! Yeah, sure. My family. Can we my talk? Family doesn't yeah. sing. I'm like the only one. Actually, my older sister Ruth is super, super talented, and I always looked up to her. But other than that, it was like me and Ruth that were like the musicians. And how many bros and sisters do you have? Uh, okay, so I have seven. Okay, well, rewind. Rip, is that bad? I, I like to say I have nine brothers and six sisters. I have seven brothers and six sisters because I was adopted. Um, and then I have two biological younger brothers that I met when I was like, you know, in my 20s. And we've been really? super, super close ever since. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. 
Yeah. And you know what's even crazier? So we met when, well, we met when I was a freshman or sophomore in college. Um, but we all ended up in like ministry. So we all, all basically had like the same circle of friends. Um, but we had no idea that we had the same circle of friends. Is that crazy? Really? Yeah. So like you could have like passed that totally at a thing you were at and not have known. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that's, how, cr- that's 100%. crazy. How did they find you? How did they connect it's with con- you? I found them. I was such a a selfish little girl. I had no idea that um that they even existed because I, I always knew I was adopted. It wasn't like ever a secret or anything. Uh, and my mom always told me, like, Danielle, when you want to know who your birth mom is or you want to, you know, reach out to her, like, let me know. And I was like, eh, okay, whatever. Um, and because I'm stubborn and, you know, stubborn and passionate, I was, I called my aunt, my Aunt Lois, who is adorable. I adore her. I was like, hey, can I have, um, you know, my birth mom's phone number because it was a familial adoption. Um, and so she knew who my birth mom was obviously. Um, and so I got her number and I was, I just called her up one day. Like I was talking to you guys. I was like, Hey, it's Danielle. She was like, yeah, like like her brain literally exploded. She's like, Oh my gosh. But my, when she didn't answer the phone, like my little brother answered the phone. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so when he answered the phone, I was like, oh, shit, like, I've really opened, like, a can of worms, like, I had no idea, like, existed. <laughs> what have I done? Um, and he was like, who is this? I'm like, it's Danielle. And he's like, it's Danielle. And you hear, like, my birth mom in the background going, oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh my- I'm like, wow. oh, no. So your birth mom was waiting for you to make the contact? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just one of those things where, um, it was sort of up to me to reach out and, um, and so, yeah, so I did. And it was really because my mom, I didn't really have a a desire to do it until she said that it was like a familial adoption, you know? Um, so it was, what does that mean? It was like my mom's niece was my birth mom. I feel okay. like I need a flow chart always. <laughs> I feel like I need like a flow chart. You know, like when you see the guys like open their wallets and it's like, yeah. like stuff like that. Like that's what I feel I like. I would have loved it if, if your brother was like, mom, it's Danielle. And your mom's or your birth mom's like, ah, and, like, <laughs> and she wants to know if your refrigerator is running. <laughs> and you totally were just pranking her. And then you're like, oh, I'm so drunk right now. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so trashed. <laughs> Red solo cup. <laughs> he's like that's oh, all your birth dad that is all your birth dad that is yeah. <laughs> like oh drama do you know do you know your birth dad do you ever connect with him i don't i've never met him and it's it's so a lot of people ask me that i i tell my birth like my adoption story a lot and it's never been something that i really really desired to, to do or to have. And I think that primarily just comes from like my relationship with my, with my father. I've never had a close relationship with my father. Um, so I guess maybe because of that, it just wasn't ever something I ever 
wanted to do or desired to do. Huh. Um, what if I told you right now we have him on the line? His name is Luke. Luke, you know, Luke is you know, a miracle. <laughs> I'll tell you a really funny story. So his last, so I've always, I've always thought that I was in some way like ethnic. I know that sounds weird because if you saw me, I'm like straight up like Irish. I, but, I, I just want to let you know that being Gaelic is an ethnicity. <laughs> Okay, so you are ethnic. White people okay, be acting okay, like okay, they okay. ain't got a culture. Ugh. Let me tell you. Okay, so I'm like I'm super passionate. Like I'm I got to be something other than just like a white girl, you know? And this is like 100% like I'm being real talk right here. So when I was talking to my little brother, I asked him um like what is our birth dad's last name? <laughs> and he said and Chris is like standing behind me and uh, Daniel says, Oh, his last name is Cruz. I was like, Cruz. <laughs> Holy shit. I am Hispanic. I'm like, I am Hispanic. And I looked at Chris. I'm like, I told you, I told <laughs> I won you that <laughs> like, Oh my gosh. Like it's all coming together. I was like, spell it for me. Spell it. And he's like, C R U I S E. I'm like, Shit! <laughs> I'm Dutch. I'm a piece like, of shit Dutchman. <laughs> I'm a Scientologist. Yeah, like Tom Cruise. I'm like, oh god, I'm only white. That is so lame. Oh, hey, listen. As a white male, I can say it's working out for me so far. <laughs> yeah, you and all the other white men out there. Oh yeah, yeah I'm totally fine. It's like I'm good. <laughs> I'm real good. I love that Chris Rock bit where. Uh, the <laughs> ain't not a sheep. She ain't a white man in this room that would change places with me. None of them would change places with me, and I'm rich. That's how good it is to be white. There's a white one leg busboy in here right now that won't change places with my black ass. He goes, Nah, man, I don't want to switch. I want to ride this white thing out, see where it takes me. <laughs> that's all that's all i got <clears throat> so you were growing up in your your adoptive family i remember you telling me isn't is not very musical but no. your birth mother is right isn't she doesn't she my sing? birth father my birth father he was super super musical very um like just naturally musical and he's also pentecostal which it's funny because i remember being little and, um, I mean, obviously like I was raised Catholic, but I remember thinking like, I feel like I'm a Pentecostal in like a Catholic's body newsflash. I guess it's genetic cause he is Pentecostal for sure. And like my little brothers as well, they're like super charismatic. Are it's they Catholic crazy. too? Yes. Ah, interesting. Yes. Interesting. That's really, yeah. Cause you know, very interesting. That is really interesting. So did you know your birth mom growing up and just didn't know that she was your birth mom? No, no. Like her, um, so her, all of that side of the family, they were in the military. So they traveled like all over the place. Um, and so I never met them. I met like my uh, maternal grandmother, I think when I was tiny, tiny. Okay. But 
but other than that, I mean, yeah, I, I never really met anybody on that side of the family and it's been so beautiful. Like after I met, um, Daniel and Noah, like my little brothers, I met like my cousins and I met my aunts and uncles on that side and they are, yeah, just phenomenal. I mean, just phenomenal. Like I would have never, ever, um, guessed the amount of beauty to come out of something, uh, like this, because you don't ever really hear like great adoption stories, you know, you always hear like these terrible, like, oh, uh, you know, I don't know, just. Well, isn't, just, isn't your story kind of terrible too? I mean, it is, it, it is, ter- <laughs> it is, it is, it is terrible. And, but at the same time, like, I feel like because, like there's so much healing. So I, I mean, I really yeah. grew up in. Uh, like I was adopted when I was like six or eight weeks old. I can't remember. I was kind of like going back and asking my mom questions recently because we have this new project that we're going to do. It's called We Lepers. So a lot of it has to do with, you know, my story. So I was asking my mom just, you know, questions because I didn't want something to like, like pop up and be like, oh yeah, FYI, you know, and have these guys filming me and I'll be like, (laughs) what's happening? You know, that would be silly. So, um, yeah, I was just going through everything and, uh, I didn't grow up in, you know, this family that had this really strong communicative father who would just like toss me up and say I was a princess. You know, I, there was lots of abuse that went on and with 14 people in your family, like everybody has a different story. Um, everybody has a different story. So all I can tell is, you know, my story and, how that sort of affected me. I mean, I had serious PTSD as, you know, a young adult. And I didn't even know what that was, you know, at the time. Um, And I just felt like God, I don't know, I don't know how, well, it's because he's God and God is God and I am me, but why I was protected. and And I kept asking that question, like, out of, you know, everybody in my family, like, why am I the one to sort of like just step out and, um, just be, try and be as faithful as I can, you know, um, and, and really focus on like using my gifts because I'm like, I don't know, out of like, out of our family, there's probably like three practicing Catholics, um, and it was like such a challenge and it's such a, um, it sort of makes you like take a step back and, uh, look at the world sort of differently because a lot of us had like very, very similar experiences, but our reaction to our, um, like our history and our lives is very, very different. I mean, and I was talking to Chris. What, what you mean to- by that is though, like, violence in the home, your dad in particular. Right, right. Like so like through Right, like through like that abuse and through I mean, I remember like this specific like time where I was um I mean my dad was just so, so mad. So so mad. Um and my mom like tucked me away in like the clo- like a closet with my sister and just be like, stay here I'm going to take care of daddy. Like, don't leave. Don't leave. 
And I remember my sister being there with me and, uh, and my mom like peeking her head in and being like, okay, like you can come out now. But just knowing, like, I remember thinking like, I'm going to die. Like I'm like, yeah. I could literally like not wake up tomorrow, but at the same time, loving my dad so much, you know? So it's like this dichotomy of how does that even fit together? It's like oil and water. You know, what was the um, deal with your dad? Like, why was he prone? Was he he wasn't an alcoholic, was he? Or no, was he, no, not, not at all. Not at all. My pure rage. Yeah. I mean, my brother was my brother was an alcoholic and he passed away probably three years ago of um, of alcoholism. That was definitely like a big deal for for our family. My dad, you know, I have such honestly, I have such a respect for my father, to be quite honest. And that sounds probably crazy to some people. And I think if some people are listening right now, they've had similar experiences. Um, I think one thing that I would tell them is to sort of look at everybody's story, because I think everyone's story is like very key, you know, and my father was raised, like, I'm the youngest of 14, so he was born in the 30s. He was born in, like, 34, like, right at the end of the Depression. He wasn't raised with um, refrigeration. Like, they would keep their meats in, like, the rivers um, that would sort of, like, run down the mountains through the Ozarks, uh, which would, like, refrigerate their foods. I mean, he was raised with nothing, absolutely nothing. Um, so he... Uh, he joined the Navy and he married my mom. He became, he became a Catholic on the ship before they got married. Uh, so he could become Catholic. Um, and that was, he, he knew what that meant, um, and what that faith meant. And I don't think it was until much, much later on, like when he really started to, um, understand sort of like what that meant for his heart and for his life. And so he, um, yeah, I mean, he treated us uh, just like he was raised. Um, he was, came from a big German family and that was very, very, the way that he treated us with a big hand and a big fist was, was very logical and common to him, even though like he didn't understand or know how that, that affected us by, by any means. Um, and so I think looking at, you know, his story and my mom's story and, you know, everyone and has a, has a story. And so just to be able to get to a place, which, uh, which I definitely have been able to get to and just step back and sort of look and be like, gosh, like no one gets into parenting wanting to say, you know what, I really want to just like screw up all my kids. <laughs> You know, no one does that. No one yeah. does that. Um, and so I know in the beginning, like there was such a good heart and a good, um, in a, in a, in a good, uh, like just place where they were. Like, I wish I could have seen my dad, like, look at my oldest brother, like when he was born, you know, just to see like, Oh my gosh, like look at daddy looking at him, you know? Um, but I think the beauty behind, you know, my struggle and my, in my healing is that I get to see my dad as who he really is, 
you know, and he's just, um, a man who, you know, struggled and struggled and struggled and, um, and tried to raise 14, 14 kids. Um, and did he make great decisions? No, probably not. But, um, you know, now in his old age and he's like in his eighties right now. Um, I've seen like such a transformation. And I remember when Chris and I got married, the only thing I wanted to do was to dance with my dad at my wedding. And, uh, and it was like the biggest gift, uh, I probably ever given. And he did it. And, and my mom said that he hadn't ever danced with anybody in his life other than her. So oh, wow. yeah, I was it. It Bye is, now. it is, it is weird how, I mean, it, 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 it never stops being fascinating how every human being is capable of being a total piece of shit. Yeah, it's true. It's and true. someone that is capable of doing some awesome stuff. Like, I mean, the line between good and evil is not drawn between nations or neighborhoods, but right down the human <laughs> heart. I mean, it's true. Like, so here is yeah. here is your 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 dad, who adopted you, even though he had well, over ten kids in the house. Yeah, took you on, pull you out of a bad situation, keep you in the family at least. Right. But then when you got to like four or five, began his rage or lack of self control manifested in horrible physical abuse. Yeah. To well, the point and, where and you were scared the, for your life. I mean, that's yeah. huge. And I was, and I got the least of it, to be quite honest. I really did. And it, cause it was, yeah, I got the least of it, which is, and that's the scary part. I really think. Um, and I think I was just, <laughs> I, I was this, I mean, I still am just like this wildling, um, like you cannot contain me. And when you try to contain me, like it makes me more wild. Um, which is funny because I value the boundaries and like the gifts of our Catholic faith so much. So you would think I would be this like crazy, like <laughs> no contraception for you. Oh yeah. Pope. <laughs> well, guess what? I'm becoming a prostitute. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wild. No, I'm wild. Like, like it's immoral like... good if I try to take responsibility for myself. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Pope Benedict. <laughs> Dang it. But for real, like, but I... Wait, is that I, not where you were going with this? Okay, no, I'm I, sorry. I was not necessarily going right there, but, um, yeah, you would just think I was, I don't know. But I, I think that's what I desired so much is this gentle, tender boundary of a father and what that, and, and what that means and what it feels like and what it can do to your heart, you know? And it's the same thing that happened to my heart that happened to my daddy's heart. And that in itself, like can't be denied. Um, and there are natural consequences to what people do, but at the same time, you know, I try to sort of like simplify things. I, I, I kind of feel like, like our sin and our relationships, like everything gets like so complicated, you know, everything is like super our politics and 
everything is so complicated. Like our reaction should be super simple. Person, like that's just what I personally believe. I feel like my res- our response should just be like this simple response, and the re- and to be able to get to that simple response, we just have to like let shit go, you know, and like let God take care of God stuff, and like I'm just gonna do what I can do, you know, and He just gives us the graces and the mercies to just be like, I forgive you. Like, let's move on, you know, and that doesn't mean that we can't create like good, strong boundaries and have good communication and work on things. But, um, it takes too much energy, um, to be like frustrated and angry, (laughs) you know? And I think I was probably so frustrated and angry and hurt for so long once I decided like, you know what, Danielle, like you deserve healing. Like the Lord wants you to be healed because he sees you as like his gift. So you need to use yours. So let's just kind of like get there, you know? Um, and I worked really hard at just trying to get to that place. Um, just just try to love on people. It's funny because I, I always tell Chris, like, I really probably shouldn't have gone to college, you know? Like, I'm just one of those people that, I don't know. Of course, like, if my mom's listening, she's like, I just spent, you know, $75,000 on your damage, Mason. <laughs> you I, were the 14th one. <laughs> <laughs> and I took five and a half years to get out of college. Oh, there my you go. bad. There There's you nothing go. wrong with that. But for real, like, I, oh, really, I, Luke? <laughs> I, just, I don't know. Like, if I, I'm really good at, you know, music, and I'm good at just sort of like loving on people and seeing, mm. like, where they were coming from. Uh, I do wonder just, about what would happen to people like you a hundred years ago. <laughs> like, like, hey, what do, what do you do? I work at a coal mine. What do you do? Well, I just. I love music and I like loving on people. <laughs> I would have like. So you work in the brothel. <laughs> they they didn't have sunscreen a hundred years ago. Oh, that's I would have died. I would have like <laughs> you puffed go- up into like ash. Funny. I didn't make it past twelve. Um, <laughs> so like the healing that that you experienced with your dad was that was that like a was it like a particular moment or experience or was it a gradual thing? It was sort of a gradual thing. I think once I had kids, I really, really understood how screwed up I was, um, to be quite honest. You know, I think um, I sort of, you know, coasted by for quite a while. And I got married when I was really young. I was 22. Chris and I were just kids. I met Chris when I was 19. And I remember meeting Chris and just being like, you are everything like I desire right now. You know, you're stable. You're insanely handsome and (laughs) you're just so like, like by the book, he was kind and generous. Like his character is just unwavering, you know, gentle and tender. Um, and he loved me, you know? And I remember like when we got married, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like we are so good. We are so good. But I was having so many anxiety attacks. I'm like, what the hell is wrong? Like, we're so 
And then I realized, oh my gosh, I have so much to work on. And I would get so frustrated with, with Chris and I would turn into this like total biatch. And I knew that's not who I wanted to be. So I, I started to go to therapy on my own. Um, and I just started to realize, holy crap, like I have so much to work on. And it was just this weight of, okay, like, how are we going to handle and heal? Um, and so I just really started to set a lot of boundaries. That was like a big deal for me. Um, was just like slowly and surely sort of like getting the toxic people out of my life, which was really important. And then setting boundaries where it was just like me and Chris and starting like a whole new family and uh, setting like a mission of like, what is the mission of our family? Even though we don't have kids right now, you know, what do we want to do? And then once we had kids, I was like, man, it put like a whole new perspective of what it meant to have to give up a child for adoption, you know, and yeah. how I like, it's not even like, it's not, it's like unimaginable to me because it's unnatural. Um, and knowing that someone loved you that much to, uh, to do that. Um, so it put like a whole new perspective on my life and on the lives of my children. Um, that was really unexpected. Um, and it really made me realize how much I wanted people to understand how much they were loved. Um, cause it was something that was very, very hard for me to like understand, like, it's un like it's unimaginable to be loved that much, and then knowing that God loves you, even like even more than that, it's like a double doozy, you know? Oh yeah. Because it's like my husband loves me, he wants to marry me, like come into like a sacrament with me, like oh like you love me, and then I have a child. Like, and you love that child. Like, I, I mean, I remember like gazing into like Lucas's eyes and being like, oh my gosh, like he looks like me. I've never seen anyone look like me like that before, you know, and just being in this and dying love for my child, but then realizing like someone did that and then gifted me to another family. And then in the back of my mind thinking like, but God loves me more than that. How is that even possible? You know, how is that even possible? So it like exploded my brain. It exploded my brain. Um, and it really made me take a step back and try to understand like, what does God really need me to be? Who do I need to be for you? You know, um, and who do I need to be for my family? Um, and that became like first and like foremost for me is just to always like tell my children and tell my husband, especially my husband, like how much I adore and love him every single day, even though it seems like so silly. Like I sent him a text message at least once a day expressing those exact same <laughs> thoughts. Chris. <laughs> 
I and adore you. Gomer. <laughs> and he just you. cries. He just weeps. It's like, oh. gosh, Gomer again. He got me. <laughs> he got me with that poem about the bird and the windowsill and, and the smile. And, it ain't the, and this ain't the shiner coming through either. <laughs> it's the text. Yeah. <laughs> What what I really like about that, about your story, is it really strikes me how when you wrestle with life like and God and where he's at in that and what he's calling you to, like you find healing. Yeah. I think so often we think, oh, you just need to watch this DVD or just like read this book and everything's going to be fine or that'll like solve all your problems and like that'll like make you right. And I think that when you really... When you try to, when you're going through hard stuff and you try to avoid life and you try to just right. like yeah. deal with it through either like drugs or like alcohol or just, you know, or just like or work. sports and yeah, or work and <laughs> or movies. TV. Yeah. yeah. Like anything to take yeah, you out right. of life. Yeah. Absolutely. Like you're not going to find healing. And it's when, because I've experienced this within like some of the ministry uh, that I've done where teens like find, they found healing when they did street evangelization. Mm hmm. You yeah. know, just the act of going out and doing stuff and trying yeah. to really trying to like abide in Christ and trying to understand, like, what does it mean to be with you? Like to then to be on mission for you, like healing then happens. Like God yeah. starts to reveal stuff to them. Yeah, 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 yeah. God definitely starts to reveal stuff. And I think we're under, at least I was, I was under this impression, like the feeling of happiness was always going to be there, you know? Yeah. Like, God, like, we're never going to be okay. We can be, we can still be joyful, and we can still be, like, uh, content, but he doesn't want us to be okay. Like, he wants, I feel like he, like, we move when we're uncomfortable. Like, if if we're, yeah. if we're comfortable and we feel like, oh, everything's, like, great in the world, like, we're never going to move. Right. And he needs us to move. And I think being in like solidarity with one another and just being like, I am right here in this like really shitty moment right now. But like God has revealed his goodness to me. Like who is with me? You know, everyone wants to like, I swear people will like ping you with, Oh, but God is good all the time. All the time. God is. Good. Yes. Like, of course, but, I mean, who is with me? Who is going to, like, validate, like, you know what? Things are like crap right now. Like, you need to go up to... I remember uh, I really was so thankful for this. Um, when my sister passed away, really, like, very recently in March, and um, the first call that I got, like, I had called Chris, and I left him a message, but then um, Sean had called, and I, and, uh, I thought it was Chris and I just picked up the phone and, uh, I realized it wasn't him and I was crying. Um, and he just said, you know what, just go up to, just go up to, you know, the studio and I you know, just start, just start writing, you know, I was like, and I was waiting for him to say like, everything's going to be okay, you know, or, you know, all of these like consolations, like, it wasn't a consolation that he gave me. It was like, you need to go use your gifts, you know, in this in this moment right now. And I had never experienced that before. Um, 
and I was so thankful for it. Um, because that's exactly what I think God needed me to do. Um, so I think it's times like that where things are just like super, super shitty and people try to sort of like band aid it for you. And it's, na- and it's a natural thing to do, you know? Yeah. yeah. It really is. I mean, it's a completely, you want to offer, you want to offer comfort, but too often it's cheap comfort. You know, yeah. it's, it's it, and it's not really comforting because it doesn't heal the problem. Yeah. And, and it makes me like, it makes me angry because I, I mean, I have, I've, I have lost so many people. Like I have literally, I mean, people who have been very, very close to me. Um, everyone like has died. Either they've died or um, there's been like a significant trauma or um, something like that. So I've always struggled with people leaving me. And that was part of why I had PTSD because people kept dying, you know, people, people kept disappearing from my life and, uh, nothing fixes it. And no one was giving me, uh, what I needed. And what I realized is that no one can give me what I needed. You know, God is, God's the only one that can, um, really give me that grace and mercy. And that's how I write. Mm. Um, can I can I quote that. a poem? Can I quote a poem? You ready <laughs> yeah. for a poem, Luke? I am. Okay, you ready for this? I love this poem. It's called The Way of the Cross. It's short, don't worry. <laughs> Along the dark aisles of a chapel dim, a little lame girl drags her withered limb, and all alone she searches the shadows on the walls to find three pictures where Jesus falls. And I love that. I love that poem. Number one, it was written in like the fifties, so lame and such. But uh, wow, the point of the poem is she's looking in the stations of the cross for what happened to Jesus, which happens to her all, all her, the day. Yeah. You know, like that is her experience of having a a, a you know withered limb, uh, and she's trying to find some meaning or purpose in it, but there the greatest meaning and purpose with it is we're not alone. Like here's three pictures where Jesus falls, not just one, it's three. Like it's like Christ is gratuitous in identifying himself with our worst, you know, whether it's our sin he takes on or our suffering that he commingles with us. Like, and there, there is such a, you know, when I talk to the men in the prison, I'm like, Hey, I have no idea what you're going through. (laughs) I have no, one time I got grounded. Like I don't have a thing. I don't have a, I, I mean, being in a prison for 25 years is not something that I have any frame of reference for. And so when I talk to these guys about suffering, what suffering could I offer to them that could ever bring them, like, uh, empathy or sympathy? Like, yes, we're all in this together. I have none of that. I have none of that. I'm a morbidly obese, privileged person. I have none of that. And yet, for every one of them... Every one of them, I said, you know, it's not that Christ takes away all the pain, but he gives you purpose and meaning in the midst of it. It doesn't take away the pain. That's right. It can't. Like, there's a whole, you're in prison. It's not like you're going to be like, oh, except that Jesus Christ in your heart is your personal Lord and Savior. Congratulations. Guess what? Judge overturned your verdict. You're now a free man, you know? Like, that's not, it ain't coming up roses in that regard. 
But at the same time, you're not alone. And I think for most people, especially for men in a prison, being alone is the thing that kills them. Yeah. You know, and yeah, so this yeah. experience of, you know, being an adopted child amidst a huge family and, you know, wanting to have a better father and loving him in his complexity and brokenness and how he was raised. You know, me and Luke, our favorite band is me without, well, maybe it's not our favorite band, but me without yeah. you. Uh, he says, uh, he has this line where he says, if your old man did you wrong, maybe his old man did him wrong. And you think about that and it's like, may- maybe we can start using a little bit more more grace. They're not saying like, it was okay that he abused me. That's not what mercy does. That's not what forgiveness right. does. Yep. It says this thing was evil and it was wrong and it never should have happened, but it did happen. And I can't pretend like the past didn't happen. The more you pretend like the past didn't happen, the farther you get from healing. Ooh, yes. And the moment Definitely. you return to that pain and say, this did happen. And because it happened, I can forgive you. You know, I, I can actually look at the cross and look into your eyes and say, listen, there, there, we, ca- we can't pretend anymore. We can't gloss over this. But at the same time, I can't be dominated by it going forward. I can't let, like, pretending is a way that it dominates over you. And so, like, yeah. I remember my dad one day, I mean, he raised in a very complicated environment. His father ended up leaving multiple affairs, whatever. Uh, I said, Dad, how did you deal with this? How did you... Because, you know, I read the book Wild at Heart and thought, you know, my, my father wound was the worst father wound of all time because my dad's work carried him away for a couple of years. And then he said, Mike, I realized something. I realized that in the lottery of dads, I got a bum one. And you know what? That's just life. So either I could be filled with hate for my dad or I could love the fact that I have the most amazing brothers. And that's what mm-hmm. I do. And I love my brothers. And I realize... I'm not going to be a bum like my dad. And I'm like, okay, thank you for that answer. I got something in my eye. I got to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, that's exactly right. Is I, the, the gifts, you know, I, I don't, the enemy doesn't want us to see the blessings that come from those things, you know? And I, uh, I just refuse. I refuse to like, let that, um, sort of captivate me because I have, um, you know, all of these brothers and sisters and I have all of these nieces and nephews. And it makes me like, if you want to start getting me all teary eyed, have me start talking about my nieces and nephews. Um, because I, I always wanted like little brothers and sisters, which is so funny. Cause it was like 14 of us, but I just loved them. So, I mean, and I still do, because some of them are closer to age than to me than my brothers and sisters. Um, and I see, and I'm so incredibly close to a lot of them. Um, and they are constant reminders of like just the blessings of, of my life, you know, and my brothers and sisters as, as well. Uh, cause we're just a hot mess, but, um, Hot mess express, choo choo. You know, like, it's so like it's such a blessing though, you know. And uh, I get to see him get married, which is crazy because that makes me think I'm old. But uh, gosh, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it. 
I honestly wouldn't, um, because I wouldn't be able to, uh, share what I share now. And I, I think love as hard as I love, um, because I love really hard, um, which, um, Hey, oh, Hey, oh, sorry. I made it uh, light. I made it level. <laughs> I'm just bringing everything all down. No, but for no. real. I mean, I tell everybody, everybody that, uh, I see, I always tell them I love them, you know, cause it's true. And I, if I don't say I love you, it means I don't. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, sorry. if the like one niece is listening, ugh. oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, that's awesome. I, I love, I love all my nieces except the fat one. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, uh, we're out, we're out at, at, an, at an hour and a half, though. I'm sure this will be edited down. Please take out the horrible joke that I made about the crunch gomer. Now I now I feel bad about my um, fat niece. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> I like how Luke's nervous Keep about a there. fake joke about the cr- <laughs> or fake insult, and yet totally cool with the fat niece thing. <laughs> so uh, Danielle, I'll finish out the show. Where can people yeah. find you? They can find me on Instagram, Danielle Noonan Music. Facebook, Danielle Noonan Music. Everything is Danielle Noonan Music. How do you spell Noonan? Oh, my gosh. N is in Nancy, O-O-N-A-N. Oh, there it is. In your perfect world, really, really quick, would you, if you had to choose between between these two things, would you rather have your music be on a, a, like, vinyl record or on, like, a high... Uh, like or on or on Spotify, which one would? You oh my choose? gosh, a vinyl! Thank you. For sure, it proves you. nothing. It proves nothing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, uh, <laughs> hey, if you could, uh, if you could have your album on Spotify <laughs> or uh, thrown in a trash can, which one would you do? <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. Is that a weird dichotomy? Yes. <laughs> CDs are much higher quality than Spotify. Oh my god. There's no cake. Okay, here's a, There's no here's ice cream. Question. Happy birthday. Here's a question for you. If you were, if you could have the choice between being on uh Bishop Barron's podcast, does he have a podcast? I don't yes, know. If he you could does. be inner yes, his podcast or being on a vinyl, what would it be? <laughs> oh, I'd be uh interviewed because he's higher on the iTunes top two hundred. Yep. Oh, yep. We gotta steal some of that. We no steal. other reason. Yeah, we got we to <laughs> no steal some of that. Reason. Listen, I have this dream of interviewing Bishop Barron at he like, no. I know, I know, at like 10 o'clock at night, his time, <laughs> and he's just chilling in his house or apartment. I don't know where they put him. And he's chilling, and he's got like, a, like three fingers Gosh. of whiskey or some, yeah, 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 scotch, scotch, of course, scotch. And he's sitting there, and there's like a fire, and there's a, the Suma's open, and he's like, guys, let me tell you what I did in seminary. Funniest story. And he's just totally chilling. You know what I really hate about new atheists? Their perms. Or, you know, like something, just him where he's allowed to not have to be the great Bishop Robert Barron. Where he can yeah. just be, where he can just be Bob. I just want we him to be Bob. Dr- he needs a drunk, he, we need a good drunk history from Bishop Barron. Exactly. I just want to talk about The, the Simpsons yeah, Carhole. That's all that I want to do. Yeah, like he's a, he loves the Simpsons and Cohen movie, Cohen Brothers movies, and 
You know, and I just think it would be so great. Luke's nickname was the dude from the Big Lebowski, and they spent a whole show yes. on the Big Lebowski. Any I love the Coen Brothers. Yeah, but <gasps> he's, he's not taking interviews. It's fine. Well, whatever. Whatever, Brandon V O G T. I don't know yeah. how to pronounce your Go name. Go enjoy your stupid metrics. So, uh, <laughs> how do you uh, really feel? Uh, well, I'll tell you how he really feels. And you can find out too if you follow him on at the Luke V. You can find me at Leavangelist. And you can find our show at catchingfoxes.fm. That's catchingfoxes.fm. Luke, and do we have Dave, a sponsor today? We do have a sponsor today. Is it, we want to do the. This is episode five. Did they yeah, buy so five? Have, no, they bought six. Ooh. No, I'm just going to drop. Do you want me to just drop in the ad? I'll just drop in the oh, ad. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But also a big, big thank you to our sponsors for the, uh, this episode, the good people over at where? Luma, Lumabox.co. That's right. Lumabox.co slash Catching Foxes. Thank you for sponsoring another episode of Catching Foxes. Also a big thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon, you can go and do that at p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash c-f. Doing so at a bunch of different levels helps to keep this show going. Like the, like the brand new headphones and um, and mic I got. So if you are enjoying that, thank all of our Guys, Patreon Guys, we fired. The Patreon supporters fired the third co-host. Not Danielle Noonan. She's still on the phone being <laughs> feeling awkward that we're talking about. We fired not the refrigerator. Not Matt Fratt, who's really the third co-host. We <laughs> fired the refrigerator. You didn't hear it this whole time. <gasps> what? You the no, refrigerator. It's, it's just staring at me angry and like, you cut me out, you son of a bitch. <laughs> people, yes. people tuned in for me. <laughs> they enjoyed my, my quiet like rumbles in the background. They put them to sleep. They love it my heat e- pumps. They love my heat e- pumps. It was either going to be that or Gomer blabbing <laughs> on incessantly. Anywho, community <laughs> groups, guys. Community groups. Community, <laughs> so, community groups. It's uh, where it's at. Danielle, it's been really cool just getting to know you since, gosh, since January was when we met. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, um, thank you for coming on the podcast and stuff. This thank you been- guys for having me. Thank you so much. Uh, once you Thank release, you like, in, so um, much. <laughs> we are so cool. Um, yeah, no, but this has been great. We'll we will have you on again at the point time. Thank Pretty you. soon you'll be in New York. We call it the Catching Foxes Bump. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty soon you will be the Taylor Swift of Catholic worship. Oh my god! <laughs> always because you know we got bad luck. Love that song. I forgot my. how much I like Taylor Swift until her stuff was released on Spotify, and I was like, that's what's up. I forgot how much I like Taylor Swift until my daughters play her all the time because they have an Amazon Echo. <laughs> play Taylor oh, Swift. Play Taylor oh, okay. Swift. Danielle, last yeah. question. Okay. Taylor Swift or Adele? Oh, God. Adele. That's not and even. And the other one a... dies. <laughs> Wait, so, so I have to choose or someone dies is what you're saying? Yes. Okay. One lives when the other one must die. Oh, Neither gosh. can live while the other survives. <laughs> That doesn't. That doesn't. My moral. My moral compass is is spinning. I would. I would have to go with Adele. Yeah, Adele. Is, Everyone would have to go with Adele. We used to be yeah. so obsessed with Taylor Swift, and then Adele dropped twenty five, and that was it. You know, I told. I went to. I've been to a Taylor Swift concert. It's legit. I got flashy bands and everything, and the band flashes to the beat of every song. How does that happen? I have no idea. Technology. All right. Go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have a beautiful night. Danielle, you stay classy. Luke, 
Love you, buddy. I got nothing. Okay. <laughs> I love you, too. I love you guys. Oh, we love you. you. It's great. Oh, thanks for opening up. Oh, my gosh. Danielle. Oh. The three best friends that anyone could have. <laughs> All right, y'all. Y'all stay classy.